This morning, um, we're just going to concentrate on one animal, and that's the sheep. And most importantly, we're going to talk about the shepherd. So most people would know the, the 23rd Psalm. It's very famous. It, get, it gets wheeled out on special occasions, like funerals, weddings and bar mitzvahs. But it's been referred to as the psalm that calms. But if we really stop to think about what it really means, well, Psalm 23 is all about shepherds and it's all about sheep. So most of us city slickers rarely would come into contact with shepherds or with a sheep. So I was lucky enough to have a cousin who lives up in Woodend or cousins and they, we had a farm up there so we used to muck around on the farm. Anyone here grew up on a farm knows all about sheep? A couple of people here, Mark? He's got a couple of sheep at the moment, I believe, Cleaning, uh, cutting his grass for free. Um, but we all, we all um, wear clothes that are made of wool. They keep us warm. We, we've got jumpers, we've got beanies, we've got moccasins, we've got Ugg boots. And our, har- our homes are laid out with carpet made from sheep's wool. And of course, we all enjoy a good lamb roast Sunday lunch with Tom Cruise. And sheep are always the source of jokes about our New Zealand neighbours. And to do this talk, I had to do lots of research, most of those on websites from New Zealand that I had to go and research from. Um, tough crowd. And, <laughs> but two of the main characters from this psalm are God as a shepherd and also us as the sheep. But some might wonder, why did we end up as the modest role of the sheep? Isn't that a little insulting? After all, sheep can be anxious, scared creatures who are easily confused. Their IQ is probably lower than the average moccasin size and they spend their days concentrating on the grass that they're eating. They can't think for themselves. They're easily frightened and they get startled and they run off in all kinds of different directions. But actually in the Bible, God uses sheep many times as a metaphor when describing us. So he uses sheep as a metaphor when describing us. And the Bible says that when Jesus looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. Um, So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. That's from Matthew. So when God looks down from heaven, he sees that just like sheep, we need many things. We need food, we need shelter, we need direction, we need guidance and protection from, from the things that might hurt us. And particularly when life throws us a curveball. So that's enough about um, sheep. Now let's get back to the shepherd. Everything that we need to know about what Jesus is really like is actually in this psalm. And this psalm helps us to explain the way that Jesus thinks about us and how he relates to us. And by the way, each of the topics for this series, When Life, is going to be about or based on one of the psalms. Funnily enough, the New Testament calls Jesus the Good Shepherd. Jesus himself said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd puts the sheep before himself and sacrifices himself if necessary. So the Good Shepherd would even sacrifice himself um, rather than the sheep. And that's really um, shows us what God's incredible character is like and what his heart for us is like. And it's wonderfully summarised in this Psalm 23. So this morning, we're going to have a closer look at this psalm and I've picked out some key characteristics about Jesus, our Good Shepherd. So the first part of the psalm, Psalm 23, is the Lord is my shepherd. And that's all about him providing for us. Jesus chose us. He calls us by name. 
He knows us intimately. He makes us his own and actually he, he delights in taking care of us. He's your shepherd and he's also my shepherd. And we're incredibly precious to him. If, we were, if he was looking after 100 sheep and we went off and got lost, he would leave the other 99 sheep and he would go out and he would rescue us. And we can spend time with him and we can talk to him and he listens to us and we can know him. It's all about relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. And in the Bible, it actually, it actually says that he knows us that well that he even knows the number of hairs on our head. And here's a little cartoon. We only have to number the hairs on his head right so you don't have to worry about the hairs on his back. <laughs> Melbourne, Gary, Melbourne supporters like um, Gary Lyon might um, know what that's like, being a hairy creature himself. But that's basically... Um, what God thinks of us. He even knows the number of hairs on our head. Then the psalm goes on to say, I shall not want. That's all about provision. And this means that we won't lack anything. Often we might view God as a begrudging giver. We might think that we need to beg. We might need to plead for things that we need. Some believe that he's a disapproving or a really stingy God with a big stick. I guess a kind of a cosmic party pooper. But this couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, the good shepherd, Jesus, actually wants his sheep to have the best. He wants us to ask him for what we need. But notice that the Lord will supply our every need, not our every want. So our desire for a Porsche, a red Porsche 911 or a Western Bulldogs premiership is probably more a want or in, in the case of the Bulldogs, an impossible dream rather than a need. So he's going to give us what we need not what we want necessarily. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, which of you asks his son for bread would actually give him a stone? So if you're, if you're asking your father for a, a, some bread, would he actually give you a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? How much more would your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So our father in heaven wants to give us good things and good gifts. He's not going to give us the opposite of what we ask. But imagine a God that would do that. And God is really serious about his promise that I shall not want. And Jesus, the good shepherd, will provide for us. Then the psalm goes on to say, the next part says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. So green pastures gives us that idea of food and a physical nourishment but also of abundance and of satisfaction. Still waters give us the idea of physically quenching our thirst, but also of peace and of tranquility. So maybe an ordinary shepherd might give his sheep um, just you know, food and rest. Jesus, the good shepherd, will not only provide physically for us, but he also will provide his sheep spiritual food and rest. It also says that he will lead us beside still waters. Do you know that sheep won't drink from noisy, turbulent water? They require a well or a slow-flowing stream. And this is a photo of the Tokyo water park. So could you imagine actually swimming there? I wouldn't want to swim there um, personally, but it might be difficult to find some peace and tranquility in this kind of situation. Not much room to move. So the good shepherd 
knows what's best for us. He knows that we really do need rest and we really do need quiet time out from the busyness and the hype of life. We do need time out in green pastures. We need times of peace and we need times of tranquility beside still waters and that's refreshment. Do you know know our God is really big on refreshment? It wasn't God who invented burnout or stress or nervous breakdown. And we're going to hear about stress in a couple of weeks' time in this series. But for me personally, I've done lots of thinking about this recently. I've got a a pretty full-on, potentially stressful um, life, as many of us do. So I've got a really busy job with lots of um, issues going on all the time, staff problems, deadline, pressure, all that kind of stuff. Mortgage, three kids, demanding, demanding, I mean, supportive wife, a dog, (laughs) three guinea pigs. We had a fish, but it died. Sometimes I feel like there's just too much pressure. And seriously, that, that has a, a big, um, that's a big weight on my shoulders, I find, a lot of the time. And for me, it happens when, um, you know, you have an argument at home. So it might be an argument with Carolyn or one of the kids. Um, you have a staff member resign, so you've got double or triple the work. And you've got all these deadlines piling up. And there's just too much pressure. And everyone just expects so much, too much. So I guess personally, I'm conscious of withdrawing and trying to spend time with God if I can. I'd love to visit a, you know, a Zen Japanese garden every morning and have a beautiful 6am quiet time every day, but unfortunately that's just not possible. So I still try and spend time with God every day, and what I do is I try to read through the Bible, I try to um, think about what it's saying or pray out loud or sometimes I'll um, listen to worship CDs and sing along. Um, but I really do need that time to try and feel refreshed and peaceful and not worried. And that's actually what happens. I do feel refreshed and peaceful and not worried. And for me, the times that I feel the, the most stressed or the most burnt out or the most down or the most um, I'm about to go into a meltdown situation is the time when um, I really do actually make that effort and do actually spend that time with God. And I'll tell you, it does work and you do feel um, totally at peace and not worried about things. So here's a few little um, things that, if we move on to the next one, Ash, that might give you a little bit of a, I guess, some insight into what I use. So there's a guy called Andy Stanley and Stu's sort of been putting up this a few times. So Andy Stanley has a whole heap of sort of sermons or talks about Um, life and about issues with life absolutely brilliant preacher doesn't make it complicated it's all really simple and so you can get you can get like the um the audio podcast with all heaps of different series then there's the U version which i know we've been promoting as well so that's another app Um, so it's got the bible you can listen in any sort of translate translation you want it's got it on the screen so you can read along it's got it someone reading it out so you can read and have someone uh, read it out loud as well if that helps and one that i found absolutely awesome is one called Sacred Space, sacredspace.ie, which is from Ireland. So it's a group of Irish Jesuit priests and they go through this um, Bible reading every day and they make it real as though Jesus is sitting next to you when you're having your time out with God. Absolutely awesome. So if you want, if you're sort of struggling to A, find the time to spend time with God, secondly, what should you actually do or what should you use? You know, read through the Bible, that's always a good start. But if you need some extra little um, things that might help you in your Um, quiet time out to try and get that peace and to try and get that um, build that relationship with God then these things are are really good 
But being with God and spending time with God is the most important thing. And we've all got that opportunity um, to do that, to develop a real and to, to develop a refreshing relationship with the Good Shepherd. And we all need to focus on being still and not constantly allowing that activity and that noise to drown out that time of God and to rob us of that refreshment. So for each one of us, we'll need to work out for ourselves the best way to allow God to refresh us. But I can tell you, it's definitely worth it. The next part of Psalm 23 says that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And that's talking about the kind of guidance that we need. Guidance is one of the most important roles of the Good Shepherd. And he actually leads his sheep to places that have food and that have rest. But he also leads us in the best paths. Some paths are dangerous and definitely should be avoided. And no creature is going to lose itself sooner than a sheep because it often strays away from the flock and it can't find its way back. And sometimes I guess we're a lot like sheep, aren't we? We'd rather um, do our own thing and go our own way. We can easily get right off track We can end up doing things that we're ashamed of or that we regret. Could be in our marriages, could be in our finances, could be with our parenting, could be what happens at work. The list goes on. We can start to get off track in a very subtle, sort of um, not so obvious way. But when we wander off and do our own thing, there can be horrible consequences. And I'm sure that we've all got stories here where, where things in our lives have gone horribly wrong. Things have gone horribly pear-shaped. But the good news is that Jesus is in the business of turning lives around and he will always forgive us no no matter what's happened. So remember that the Good Shepherd is trying to protect us in the first place from serious destruction and regret. And he can lead us in paths of righteousness. And that's a kind of guidance that we desperately need. Then we come to the most famous verse in Psalm 23, which says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So this is about the Good Shepherd actually assuring us. And the valley of the shadow of death means different things to different people. Some understand this verse as going through the final stages of life, when death looms near. Others see it as living through times of deep darkness or depression, and sadness and I'm sure some of us can relate to that. Someone once described the valley, the valley of the shadow of death as the dark night of the soul, the dark night of the soul but one thing is certain, we're all going to face death at some point in time and most likely we'll also face times of deep anguish in our life and sometimes life does throw us a curveball. Six years ago Um, my wife Carolyn was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and it's a very aggressive type of cancer and she was immediately admitted to hospital at that that time when she had the scans and she had nearly like a 900 mil mass of um, cancer um, in her chest cavity and was immediately um, uh, started on uh, chemotherapy and radiation therapy, lots of scans. It was a massive time in our life. Um, and it was the day before Jamie, our youngest of our three kids, turned five years old, and our life was turned totally upside down, talk about a curveball, and our faith was severely tested. It was our dark valley, and after a long journey of treatment for 
probably a, almost close to a year, Carolyn, I'm pleased to say, obviously is fighting fit and we're really thankful to God uh, for this miraculous healing. Um, but it was extremely tough and we didn't know if she was going to make it through or not from day to day. So living through that was, you know, pretty much horrendous. And perhaps Lunig, um, who's a cartoonist, best sums up what I'm really trying to say. The way life is supposed to be. It's all beautiful and it's all ordered and it fits beautifully onto a sign and it's all nice. But sometimes that's the way that life actually is. It's pretty much stuffed up and upside down and higgledy-piggledy and, you know, messy. So life, we know that life does dish up some pretty tough stuff for people. And we will go through times of deep anguish. And I'm sure that if I went around the room today and if we asked people to share their stories, it would totally blow our minds. Your dark valley will be different from other people's dark valley. And right now, even this morning, some of us are going through some pretty difficult circumstances. Maybe it's in our relationships with our family, with our friends. Maybe it's some kind of sickness that we've got. Maybe we've lost family members. Maybe it's something to do with our job. So we heard David last year, and most of us didn't even know what he was going through last year. It was the toughest, the worst year of his life. That was his dark valley. But this year, awesomely, you know, it's the best year of his life. So how good is that? But we need to know that Jesus, the good shepherd, has not abandoned us. He's not like a hired hand. He's not like a temporary worker who comes and goes. He is the good and he is the faithful shepherd. And he promises that, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for he is with me. So he is with us. That's the good news. The next part of the psalm goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The modern sheep farmer relies on a rifle and he carries a rifle, he drives a ute and he has dogs that round up the sheep. However, back in the days when this psalm was written, the shepherd lived out in the open with his flock and he carried the rod and he carried the staff basically for protection. So the rod and the staff are used pretty much to drive away predators like foxes or wild dogs or snakes and the rod and the staff convey the idea of protection and of guidance. And that's what the Good Shepherd offers us, protection and guidance. Then Psalm 23 goes on to say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And that's talking about abundance. Our cup actually runs over. Here's a cartoon that talks about um, anointing our head with oil. There's little Jimmy. I was playing with Billy in the garage and he anointed my head with oil. So that's not really what it's all about. Back in the good old days when this psalm was written, probably, what, three or 4,000 years ago, um, uh, anointing your head with oil was a sign of um, blessing. But we do have a generous God, and we do have a God that actually wants to bless us. We have a God that wants to bless us. We heard David's story before. He wants to give us maybe not what we're asking for, but something different, and he does want to bless us. Psalm 23 does not say, so I'm going to read out the opposite here, don't, ring, don't email me if, you need, if you've got a problem with this, ring Troy, don't send any emails. Psalm 23 does not say, the Lord is stingy and begrudging, I often go without. When he can be bothered, he, gives me, he leads me into a dusty paddock without a single blade of grass. If I'm lucky, he rations out a few drops of water. He leaves me to sort out my own problems 
He hasn't got a clue what's going on in my heart. He disappears at the first sign of trouble. My cup is half empty. My future is bleak. So that's probably enough sacrilege for this morning, but I think you get the idea. It's totally the opposite of that kind of situation. In fact, our God gives us everything we could ever imagine and more. The psalm says, my cup runs over. Jesus said it in this way in John. I have come. Um, I, I came so that they have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's something that I could definitely do with, God's blessing overflowing in my life, more than I could ever imagine. And then the last part of Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's talking about eternity. So when this life is over, because of God's amazing goodness and because of his amazing mercy, those who trust and those who follow Jesus will go on to live in the Father's presence, in God's presence forever. This verse is talking about heaven, which is living or being with God forever. And heaven, I'm sure we all know, heaven's more, more than a physical place. It's not like a house made of bricks and mortar. It's not like living on a fluffy white cloud, learning the harp and eating cream cheese. The last thing that God says in this psalm is that we can live with him in heaven forever. And that's a pretty amazing concept that almost blows my mind. So look, that's it for me this morning. Pretty short and pretty sharp and sweet. But just as the band comes up now, hopefully, as we've read through Psalm 23 this morning, Psalm 23, the psalm that calms, we've gained a fresh perspective on God's character and his love for us. He guides us. He protects us. He refreshes us. He comforts us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us everything that we need in our life. So when life throws us a curveball, we can confidently cling to what we know of God. He loves us like a shepherd and he wants the best for us. He wants to actually bless us. Psalm 23 is not a meaningless platitude that we wheel out at Arnie Mavis's funeral or, you know, that kind of thing. We, need, we can see that Jesus really is the good shepherd. In fact, he is the best shepherd. He wants to bless us and he's the best shepherd that we could ever possibly imagine.